Jesse Kelly show on a Monday. Let's have some fun. We have a revolution in Cuba. Hopefully, maybe, I guess we'll see. We'll talk about that here in probably just a little bit. Believe it or not, Cuba is not top of my mind. We're going to talk about Trump winning another CPAC poll, what it means, what I'm worried about. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about Afghanistan. It's time to talk accountability about Afghanistan. Churches are burning what I think should be done about it. And no, it's not what you think. No, it's not something you heard on any other show. And at one hour from now, We have Medal of Honor Monday, which I realize is fast becoming a favorite segment in the show, making me proud of you. But let's begin with what I think is the top story of the day. Rainbow dildo butt monkeys. I didn't make that up. Don't turn off your radio. Be prepared to get a little sick to your stomach. This actually happened. Took place in London. Uh, The headline is from the Daily Caller. Library apologizes for hosting Rainbow Dildo Butt Monkey to entertain children. Now, even reading the name is probably more than I would normally do on this show. Because as you know, it's a family show. Is now, always will be a family show. It's not one I ever want you to turn off with your kids in the car. I'm not going to link for you the picture of this guy and how he was dressed. Uh, Let's just say the name is pretty descriptive of how he's dressed. He was brought in to entertain children. Yes, he was rainbow colored. Yes, every other part of that name was hanging off of him so he could dance for children. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jesse, this is kind of gross. It's very weird. It's also London. What? Why do we care about this? It actually has everything to do with everything. I mentioned the guy's name, and that's legitimately his name. And you were revolted, as you should have been. Chris just looked him up, and he just mouthed some words I'm not allowed to say on the radio. Yeah, it's really bad. But let's just break this down and why I think it is the most important story out there for the future of our country, future of the West. What would you do to avoid having your children exposed to that? What would you do to have that kind of perversion kept from your child? If you're a parent, I realize I have some people who aren't parents, but if you're a parent, the answer to that question is almost undoubtedly anything, right? There probably aren't limits for you on what you would do to stop that person from performing for your kids. Now, Let's set that aside. Let's set you aside. The place is apologizing for booking the guy and whatnot, so on and so forth. But understand this. 
a leftist, a hardcore cultural Marxist, a communist, sat down and on purpose booked that person, knowing full well that person would perform in front of children. What does this have to do with America? What have I been telling you recently about what is coming, what the right will pick? What have I been telling you? We went over it a lot last week. We're going to keep talking about it because it's going to happen. The right, not the left, the right is going to pick a dictator, a fascist of some kind. I know it. I feel it in my bones. It's going to happen during my lifetime. Why? People will not settle for this. One, you on the right, me on the right, what we will do to stop this, to stop this continued perversion. Because remember this, the drag queen on Good Morning America, the child drag queen, the constant barrage of transgenders on Sesame Street, the dancing for kids here, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir last week getting caught actually singing the words, we're coming for your children. I'm not making that up. They actually did that. I would have played the audio on my show, but it was too revolting for you. This is not the end for them. This is the beginning. They haven't even begun to come after you and your children and what they see and hear. And right now you're cringing and saying things to yourself like over my dead body and I'm doing the same thing. The right, normal people will do anything to keep this from the kids. But you're only half of the equation, right? Let's set you and I aside. What will they do? They'll never stop. They will never stop. They will never stop themselves. They haven't reached the final form yet in their mind. Now, remember, communism doesn't have a final form. They haven't really thought that through. None of them have. There is no final form. It's a constant, endless cycle of destruction and domination and destruction and domination. That's why as soon as they take power, they just start killing each other. That's, that's how it's always worked. So it doesn't have a final form, but you look around right now, and I don't mean this to be so dark on a Monday, but this is the big story in America. It's just nobody knows it. You look around right now, and you look at everything you can't do with your kids anymore, and the constant barrage on what's right and what's wrong, and having to re-educate your kids every time they happen to walk by a television set, and understand this. They haven't even begun in their minds. They don't think like you think. You, a normal thinking person, want a nation with a good culture, a culture with values, a culture that knows right from wrong. Maybe you believe in God, maybe you don't, but you want right and you want wrong to find and you, you know dang well in your mind what that is. Them and their minds, how do they see the world? All they see is what they haven't destroyed yet. That's how they are. That's why communism is so evil. I've, I've used the example before. I know a lot of you hate her, but it's a perfect example anyway. Megan McCain's on The View. She's the voice of the right on The View. I mean, obviously, she's an extremely moderate person, but the voice of the right. 
Go look at the internet comments. Every time there's a View episode posted, it's all anti-Megan McCain. Why? There are four or five communist hags sitting at the table pushing communist filth every day. Why are they so mad about Megan McCain? Because you look at that show and say, wow, that's a little unfair. She's outnumbered four or five to one. They look at that show and all they see is the one seat they haven't taken yet. That's how they see the world. I, I'm going to move off this. I only want to do one quick segment on it, but it is huge. That's why I tell you a fascist is coming because they're not going to stop. They're not going to slow down. It is their religion. It's not in their nature. You, on the other side of that, are never, ever, 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 ever going to tolerate rainbow dildo butt monkey dancing in front of your children. That situation must come to a head. What I mean by that is the right, the current right, the current GOP, they either dig in and stop talking about taxes and start addressing this kind of disgusting filth, or you, you will go find someone who will. People will find a solution to stop this, whether it's in the form of a Republican elected representative or the form of Julius Caesar II. It's coming. I'm telling you it's coming. Speaking of things that are coming, you want to know what's going to happen in Afghanistan? I'll tell you in a sec. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Do you, I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe all white people are inherently racist? (sighs) So, I I don't know if you're backing me into a corner with that question, but yes, I I do. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> that was that was my friend Liz Wheeler going on Mark Lamont Hill's show and making him look like an idiot. Mark Lamont Hill's that guy who always says something nutty from the left. <laughs> it's just look. I actually admire the fact he just admitted it. I like when people just come right out and say it. I like it. It's fine. Admit your biases. I, I that's Probably not a healthy way to live through life. We've talked about this before on the show. You want to feel good about something? We just had a pretty dark segment I don't want to cover again, but you want to feel good about something? Remember when we were talking about that sprinter or a track athlete, Gwen Berry, the idiot Black Lives Matter lady who dumped on the flag when they played the anthem at the trials and whatnot? We don't have to go over all that again. It's old news. Remember what I told you to do? Zoom in. Do an image search for Gwen Berry and look for close-ups of her face. Not to make fun of her or anything like that. Look how miserable that person looks all the time. Remember this. When you hear Mark Lamont Hill and people like that, all these race-baiting nutjobs, all these racist nutjobs, to be honest with you, I hate this and hate that. I hate these people. He hates white people and he hates Jews. He's been pretty adamant about both those things. How many happy people have you known who hate white people or hate Jews? Hate really any group of people. I mean, maybe you know somebody. And look, I'll be honest with you. I, I, as you know, from my time in the Marine Corps, I was in the infantry, and we had people from all walks of life. And there was all kind of real hate, fake hate there. But everybody got over it because we all gave each other guff all the time. But... The real, real hateful people were miserable 
all the time. Take heart. Put a smile on your face. Yeah, that guy's a scumbag. But he's a miserable scumbag. And I don't care if he turns into the richest guy in the world, has the prettiest girl under his arm, drives around a yacht in the Mediterranean, eating grapes he throws up in the sky. He's going to be miserable forever. And you'll never, ever, ever be like that. Now, again, I'm going to get to the Cuba stuff. We have Brandon Darby coming up halfway through the next hour. He is, without question, the most knowledgeable cartel guy I've ever talked to. I would say maybe in the entire country, but he's by far the most knowledgeable I've ever talked to. This guy had to sneak into Mexico in the trunk of a car one time because the cartels would have murdered him. That is what you call real journalism right there. He's coming up an hour from now. And I'm going to get to the Cuba stuff. I'm going to get to Trump. We do have to talk about Trump. Chris, you know what? Go ahead and play us a little Go ahead and play us a little Donald Trump. He was rocking and rolling in CPAC. He gets in front of that crowd and he gets fired up. We will completely defund and bar critical race theory. 1776, not 1619, if you don't mind. Donald Trump plays a crowd really, really, really well. And when I say I'm going to talk about Trump, I'll get to that here shortly. I'm going to, we're going to talk about him running again. What I think he should do, what he's going to do, what you think he should do. But first, accountability. Is there anything more fun when it comes to other people and less fun when it comes to us, when it comes to you and I dealing with ourselves than accountability? People love accountability when it's someone else. Oh, Chris screwed up something with the production. <laughs> Let me make fun of him. Let me yell at him. Oh, I screwed up something. Oh, it's fine. That's just my artistic expression. It's fine. You know what I'm talking about because we all struggle with it. It's the most healthy thing in the world to personally assess yourself, to take accountability for the wrong you've done, and to vow to improve yourself. If I decide to let myself go, no more working out, deep dish pizza, three meals a day, and I gain 25 pounds, so my neck is coming out of the top of my my shirt, am I going to like looking in the mirror and saying, Jesse, you disgusting tub of goo, put down the pizza and go get in the gym? No, of course not. You know what I'll do? And I will. Now, I probably won't do this vocally because I don't want to be this type of person, but in my mind... I'll know it's a problem way before I choose to address it. Maybe you're different. Maybe you're a better better person than I, but not me. I'll look when I've gained 15 pounds and be all, oh, yeah. This work's been awfully stressful. We love using work. Well, it's so stressful at work, even though I talk on the radio and TV for a living. Yeah, very stressful. Well, I get nothing I can do about it. Work. And then I'll probably move on from work. Let me see what I blame next. Oh, the wife. Well, I wouldn't be eating. I wouldn't be eating deep dish pizza if she'd cook a meal I liked. Now, my wife actually cooks very well, but you know what I mean. Maybe the kids, well, these kids and their practices had no choice but to eat nothing but crazy bread for dinner. It'll take me a while because it takes us human beings a while before we look in the bathroom mirror and say, oh, man, Jesse, you actually have boobs. It's time to go to the gym. Takes us a while. 
takes us a long while. So if it takes you and I, normal people, a while, maybe I just need to be more patient, but I'm extremely, extremely frustrated with the lack of accountability for Afghanistan. What do I mean by that? I mean, I see the disaster that was Afghanistan. We're pulling out now, just a heads up. Everybody knows we're pulling out of Afghanistan, and I'm not going to spend long on this because there's all kinds of local stuff, and we're frankly, we've been tired of talking about Afghanistan for all about 15 years, so I'm not going to spend forever on it. But $2 trillion spent, well over 200,000 lives lost, 2,400 of which were Americans, 20,000 Americans maimed. And I do mean maimed. When I say maimed, understand this. When I got out of the Marine Corps in 04, I used to have to go to the VA for this or that. And it was always old timers. I mean, the fun old timers, the guy in the veteran World War II baseball cap, you know what I'm talking about? Vietnam vet. You always want to talk to the Vietnam vets. They're some of the most hilarious guys out there. Go to a VA now. I do have to go for an event or, or so every every so often. A lot of young guys there without legs. Young people there without faces, without arms. Those are brave warriors. They went and bled for 20 years in a dump nobody has taken over since Genghis Khan. Okay, now we're pulling out. That's fine. I'm glad we're pulling out. Good, good. Glad we're pulling out. Where's the accountability? I saw a general say something that made my jaw drop. I'm going to address it, and then we'll be right back. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. Chris, can we we could probably avoid playing Bruce Springsteen on the show. The guy hates the country, bud. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is we all, every single one of us, because don't lie, you don't listen to the words for music, at least not in the beginning. At one point in everyone's life, they thought Born in the USA was a patriotic song, and then eventually you found out it's just one gigantic dump session on the country. <laughs> We all wake up eventually. The boss had some good songs. I'll give him that. I mean, I guess we can't cancel all the crazy ones. You remember that scene uh, in Canadian Bacon where they're singing Born in the USA and they don't know it's not patriotic? Born in the USA I was. Born in the USA I was. Born in the USA I was. <laughs> and those are the only words they knew. <laughs> all right. Back to Afghanistan. Don't get me distracted. Deep concern as Afghanistan deteriorates, Taliban surges amid U.S. troop withdrawal. Deep concern. No, they're, they're, they're deeply concerned. We're certainly watching with deep concern, Chris. This, that's John Kirby. of the uh, He's the press secretary for the Pentagon. The deteriorating security situation and the violence which is, of course, way too high, and the advances in the momentum that the Taliban seem to have right now. Okay, let's get something real clear here right now, first and foremost. The Taliban, when we went into Afghanistan, were the most powerful fighting force in Afghanistan. 
We then spent 20 years supposedly winning hearts and minds and fighting the Taliban. And after 20 years, it was widely known and has been widely known. They are easily still the most powerful fighting force in Afghanistan. Speaking of which, tomorrow... Tomorrow, we're going to have on my buddy Chad Robichaux, pretty much the baddest dude on the planet, Marine Force Recon, and then he went on to be a UFC champion. So when I say baddest dude on the planet, I mean that. He spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. He has a lot of things to say, so we'll get to that tomorrow night. But the Taliban, it's a deteriorating situation. The Taliban are taking over. Everybody's known they were going to take over forever. Why are you acting shocked about something? Everybody knew this. One. Two, accountability. H.R. McMaster. General H.R. McMaster goes on social media this weekend and says this. Prospects of collapse in Afghanistan are increasing. The Taliban offensive in the north is to prevent a new anti-Taliban northern alliance. Many ANDSF forces are demoralized. SF and commandos are becoming exhausted. Well, who was running that thing over there, General? What I don't hear and what I haven't heard, not from Republicans, not from Democrats, not from a single general, what I haven't heard yet from one person, and I invite you to email it to me if you have, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I haven't heard one politician or general step up and say, ooh, man, this whole thing is a mess, and I'll be honest, it's kind of my fault. Are they not allowed to say that? Is nobody allowed to step up and say, woohoo, woo, I blew this one, boys. I had a bad strategy here. No generals, no politicians, nobody. No one's going to step up. I've seen a lot of finger pointing. I've seen a lot of denials. I've seen tons of, well, just give us more time and more troops, Mr. President, and we'll make it happen. What I haven't seen is anybody George Bush, Barack Obama, Trump, Biden, any of the generals step up and say, ah, here's what I would have done differently because it's on me. Are we, are we now a nation where you can spend $2 trillion of the taxpayers' money and maim over 20,000 of our troops and not have to own any of it ever? Is that what we are? Is that what we are? Are we never going to have accountability for that place? I think we both know the answer to that. Now, don't forget, we have Medal of Honor Monday coming up about 20 minutes from now. In case you're new, and I realize there are quite a few who are, every Monday we do the one good and decent thing you will ever get out of this show all week. As everybody knows, I'm a bad person. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm a sociopath. I have no feelings or values whatsoever. But we do believe culture is important. Heroes are important and their deeds are important and deserve to be remembered. So we take a Medal of Honor citation and we simply read it on the air. It's not more complicated than that. So you can remember the name. 
You can remember the deed. It's not just enough to know these things exist. You have to read them and read them to other people so they remember. And so our kids can realize that's who you look up to. Not the latest YouTube star, not the actor, not the athlete, not the politician. These men we read about, that's who you look up to. And yes, I'm going to get to all the Cuba stuff here shortly. Let's address Donald Trump. Donald Trump spoke at CPAC this weekend. And look, I have seen Donald Trump speak in person before. To answer your question, I know I've never I've never met the man. I know his son. I know virtually all the people around him. I don't know him at all. So that, that just clears that up. When I went to see him, it was because he was coming to Houston. And this is when Trump is doing his rallies all over the country. Now, I went. Uh, by the grace of God, we had to hook up with the local police department so we didn't have to wait in line or anything, which was really cool. Boy, you really feel like a big shop and you don't have to wait in line. And I just want to assure you, as somebody who bypassed the line, I was as obnoxious about that as humanly. What, Chris? I was rubbing it in everyone's face. Oh, look at these peasants and all that. I mean, I could not have been more low class about the whole thing. That's one. Two, you go to a Trump rally, and it was it was uh, more like a more like a football game, more like a college football game than anything else. Honestly, it was. There are there's tailgating for hours. There are vendors that pop up all around him. He's like a cottage industry unto himself. And then when he gets up to speak, he's one of the most gifted speakers I've ever seen in my life. What do I mean by that? And you know I don't wear anybody's pajamas, ever. And I've criticized Trump more than once. His spending and his hiring and firing decisions were indefensible. thought he was a great president. Those were indefensible. His ability to feed off a crowd and give a crowd what they want. And then when he gives it to the crowd... Him feeding off their reaction is like, it is, it is very, very rare. When I went, he spoke for about an hour and a half, and I got up and left because I had to leave. He was still going. I think he went a full two hours there, and I know he's gone two hours before. And contrary to what you believe, politicians, many politicians, do not like speaking in front of people. That's a common fear. You may fear speaking in front of people. Politicians are all human. In fact, most of them are much less talented and smart than you are. So they really, really hate it. Donald Trump loves it. So he got up and he was rocking and rolling for the crowd. The Democrat-controlled media talks race, race, race for political reasons. And they always have, but never like this. But it's hurting our country and more than anyone else, our great minority communities. It's hurting them very badly. The Democrat obsession with race is only dragging us backward into the past. He knows what's on the people's minds. That's on the people's minds. He's always been very, very good at playing to his base. He's been very good at Donald Trump did this and he did this so well. And the Republican party could learn so much from him. The Republican party is ashamed of its base. It thinks its base is a bunch of radical right-wing nutjobs. They don't know how to capture the moderate vote like we D.C. Republicans. And frankly, they look down on the Republican Party. They do. I know these people, and I know how they think. They think you 
are a nut job, but they understand they have to have your vote. So, you know, come election season, they'll, they'll put out some kind of pro-life message, send me $50 and hope that's good enough, that kind of a thing. Trump always knew how to tap into his base. Where am I going with this? Well, let's talk about 2024. Let's have a serious talk. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. That's much better, Chris, an American band like Led Zeppelin. (laughs) All right, listen. Trump rocked it at CPAC. And, And I mean rocked it at CPAC. And knows what his base wants, taps into his base better than any other national Republican I've seen in a while. In our party and our movement, we're all united by the same shared American values and by unyielding resolve to defend our beloved nation for citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. We take great pride in our country and we teach the truth about our history We celebrate our rich heritage and national traditions. We honor George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and all of our national heroes. And of course, we always respect our great American flag. Very basic, very direct. Not using a bunch of big, fancy, schmancy words, speaking directly to the people. There's tremendous value in that. People can tell when you're trying to talk above them. You, you listen to talk radio. I am not naive enough to think I'm your first. You listen to talk radio. How many people talk above you? Can't you tell when they're talking above you? It's the existential realism. What are you talking about? How many people talk above you a lot? It makes people feel superior. I'm going to use a bunch of big words you don't understand. Didn't you hear? I went to college. Donald Trump doesn't do it. But that's not my point with all this. Trump won the CPAC presidential nomination straw poll. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. It means they took a straw poll at CPAC to see who everybody wanted to be president of the United States. Trump murdered everyone else. Absolutely murdered everyone else. 70% of the vote. Next closest guy was Heavy D out of Florida with 21% of the vote. All right, so he murdered everyone else. This is what I believe about Trump and president. I do not believe he's going to run. I think he's rich, got a dime of a wife, teenage boy of a son, got a great life in Florida, flying on a private Trump plane whenever he wants, goes golfs all day long. He's been to the mountaintop. Do you really have to climb Everest twice? And he's seen the meat grinder and just how bad it can be. So I don't think he's going to run again. I don't. I think he's going to do the very smart thing for Trump. And I don't begrudge him this at all. He has nothing but political capital right now. He is by far the most popular Republican 
in the country. It's not even close. What does that give you? It gives you capital. As long as people think he might run for president, he has a lot more leverage than if he steps out of the game. If Donald Trump steps up right now and says, you know, I'm done with all this. I'm going to the beach with Melania. If you need me, I'll be fanning myself and drinking a pina colada, a virgin pina colada. Trump doesn't drink alcohol, but you know what I mean. If he does that, he loses a lot of clout because he's not the nominee anymore or potentially the nominee. Also, if Trump wants to raise money somehow, some way, like maybe for a lawsuit against big tech or something like that, if Trump wants to somehow, some way raise money, he has potential to do that when he might be the nominee again. He's not yesterday's news if he might be tomorrow's news. Does that make sense? I think he's going to flirt very openly with the idea of running for office. I think he's going to do this for about another year or so. And then I think he'll pick his successor. Who do I think his successor is going to be? I think it's going to be Ron DeSantis. Why? Well, there are a couple different reasons. One, DeSantis has managed to navigate the political process without making Trump mad. And that's not that easy. In, in a second you make Trump mad, he's going to blast you. He'll blast you publicly and you're dead forever to him. Santis has been able to so far navigate this while Santis, DeSantis is ambitious himself has still managed to not upstage Trump, step on Trump's toes, been very deferential to Trump so far. That's one. Two, why is Trump going to pick DeSantis? Trump's going to pick DeSantis because he's in second place. It looks pretty good if you, quote, choose your successor, and he's the guy who was going to win anyway if you didn't run, doesn't it? Then you get to take credit for it. And believe me, all these guys have egos. I'm not the only one with an obnoxious ego. All of them. You don't rise to Trump's success level in business or politics, or DeSantis's level, or any of them without having an ego. I've sat with these guys, not Trump, obviously, but I've sat with so many of these guys privately, had a couple bourbons with them. They all have huge egos. So that's what I think is coming. But we're going to do Medal of Honor Monday next, but we're going to do it right after the gigantic butt, because there's a big butt in this story. I don't think Trump's going to run. I think he's going to wait. I think he's going to endorse DeSantis. But there's a landmine out there you may not see. What is it? I'll explain. Hang on. the Jesse Kelly show and we are going to get to the great medal of honor Monday in just a second. I just want to finish up this Trump thought for you really quickly. He wins the CPAC poll. I, like I said, I don't think he's going to run. I think he's going to act like he's going to run for a long time. And then he's going to give his blessing to DeSantis. This is all just my guess, by the way, he'll give his blessing to DeSantis. And then they'll kind of do like this joint running, running thing and do rallies together and everything else. I can see it coming. However, there's a landmine in that. 
How do you have a pot of gold in front of you, there for the taking, and not take it? What do I mean? Okay, this is just a CPAC poll showing Trump is would win the nomination easily. But every poll they put out there shows Trump wins the nomination easily. So even if I'm right and Trump doesn't think he's going to run, but he's going to flirt like he's going to run for a long time, how many polls like this does Donald Trump have to see before he looks in the mirror and says to himself, are you really going to not be the Republican nominee when it's basically handed to you? Who turns down the Republican nomination for president of the United States of America? You're one election away from being the most powerful person on the planet. Can he turn that down? Is it even possible for anyone, let alone Trump, to turn that down? Just something to think about. All right. It is time for Medal of Honor Monday. Every single Monday we do it. It's the only good and decent thing we do on this show. We take a Medal of Honor citation from one of our heroes and we read it aloud on the air. These men deserve to be remembered. Their deeds deserve to be remembered. And your kids and my kids need to know that funny goober on YouTube. He's not the one you need to look up to. It's guys like Frank Stanley Reasoner, United States Marine Corps. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, the reconnaissance patrol led by First Lieutenant Reasoner had deeply penetrated heavily controlled enemy territory when it came under extremely heavy fire from an estimated 50 to 100 Viet Cong insurgents. Accompanying the advance party and the point that consisted of five men, he immediately deployed his men for an assault after the Viet Cong had opened fire from numerous concealed positions. Boldly shouting encouragement and virtually isolated from the main body, he organized a base of fire for an assault on the enemy positions. The slashing fury of the Viet Cong machine gun and automatic weapons fire made it impossible for the main body to move forward. Repeatedly exposing himself to the devastating attack, he skillfully provided covering fire, killing at least two Viet Cong and effectively silencing an automatic weapons position in a valiant attempt to effect evacuation of wounded men. As casualties began to mount, his radio operator was wounded and First Lieutenant Reasoner immediately moved to his side and tended his wounds. When the radio operator was hit a second time while attempting to reach a covered position, First Lieutenant Reasoner, courageously running to his aid through grazing machine gun fire, fell mortally wounded. His indomitable fighting spirit, valiant leadership, and unflinching devotion to duty provided the inspiration that was to enable the patrol to complete its mission without further casualties. In the face of almost certain death, he gallantly gave his life in the service of his country. His actions upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the U.S. Naval Service. That is who you look up to. Those reconnaissance patrols in Vietnam, too. They would, I mean, there's a lot of 
behind enemy lines talk that goes on. There are a couple movies called Behind Enemy Lines. And we were behind enemy lines and behind enemy lines. Have you ever been to the jungle? I have. Just training, not not fighting or anything like that. I've told plenty of Thailand stories on this show before, probably too many. But I will tell you, it hit us when we were doing all of our training in the jungle. We would look around and we would speak about the Vietnam guys often. You can't see. There's nothing to see. It's one gigantic place to hide. Everything is trees and dark and shadows and bushes. And we would look at each other and we would say, how in the world did anybody fight through here? How did anyone go on patrol through here? You could get shot from anywhere at any time and you're not going to see them. Well, these reconnaissance patrols, like First Lieutenant Reasoner was leading, they would take guys, four, five-man units, sometimes 10-man units. They call them long-range reconnaissance. And they would, they would put them way behind any area where they had any control and way behind any area where backup was coming. And they would simply go recon an area. They would almost never shoot unless they had to because if you shot, you were going to die. They were going to find you. They would sleep with their heads. They would sleep in a circle, and all their heads were on the inside. That's because it was not uncommon for the Viet Cong to slip in and snatch one of you out of your bed and do really, really bad things to you before they killed you at night. That is is a kind of courage. Uh, that That is a unique kind of courage. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in Cuba. Because I have all the headlines here. Bongino.com. Socialists in Congress silent as, as Cubans rise up against communist dictatorship. Cuban anti-government protesters wave American flags during the march. That's from foxnews.com. CNN. Cubans take to the streets in rare, rare, of course, rare protests over lack of freedoms and worsening economy. Breitbart.com, they're reporting on what the New York Times said. Freedom is an anti-government slogan. Because the New York Times said, shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans, hundreds of Cubans took to the streets in cities around the country on Sunday to protest food and medicine shortages in a remarkable eruption of discontent not seen in nearly 30 years. What's actually happening in Cuba? This is what's actually happening from what I gather. People are hungry. They're really hungry. The government, because it's a communist government, is broke. Cuba's always broke now. Cuba used to be a wealthy paradise. Now it's dirt broke. People get mad eventually. Eventually, there's a shelf life on running a country or a tribe poorly. There just is always a shelf life on it. So what they did was, you see, the communists, they don't always have just one central office. They know you have to have field offices, if you will. So the communists have field offices all over Cuba and the various cities. The protesters are taking over the field offices. So I want you to understand something really clearly here. I don't know what the next 24, 48 hours is going to bring, but this is way more than, you know, 50 people running in the streets saying, I'd like some food. Four for four. No, 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 no. These people are mad and they're taking aggressive steps already so far. 
How aggressive? Well, I don't know because we know by now the Cuban government has shut off the internet in these areas. Not that we would ever have internet censorship here in the land of the free, but in Cuba, they're, they're censoring the internet. Like I said, thank goodness, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that kind of thing can't happen here. But they're shutting off the internet. Let's set Cuba aside for just a moment. Obviously, the socialists in Congress are silent. Biden himself put out some lame, like, four-sentence written statement. Oh, we support we support the, the people of Cuba. His White House, his, White, his assistant White, White House pr- uh, press secretary. Oh, I love this. This is the tactic they're going with. So when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough, there are people within the administration who think they're saying freedom from rising COVID cases. Again, I would say that when people are out there in the streets protesting and complaining about the lack of access to uh, economic uh, prosperity, to the medical supplies they need, to a life they deserve to live. Uh, That can take on a range of meetings. There's a global pandemic right now. Most people in that country don't have access to vaccines. That certainly is something we'd love to help with. Yeah, that's not a parody. That's what they actually said. But why? I'll tell you why. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and we are talking about Cuba here. And more than that, we're talking about Americans. America's government, the government response. Why? Why are they saying crazy things like this? Now, listen to me. I'm going to play this for you again. I just played it before. Why would they say something like this? Why make the Cuba riots about the vaccine and coronavirus? See if you can figure out before I come back. So when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough, there are people within the administration who think they're saying freedom from rising COVID cases. Again, I would say that when people are out there in the streets protesting and complaining about the lack of access to uh, economic uh, prosperity, to the medical supplies they need, to a life they deserve to live. Uh, That can take on a range of meetings. There's a global pandemic right now. Most people in that country don't have access to vaccines. That certainly is something we'd love to help with. It's about the vaccines. There's a global pandemic. Haven't you heard coronavirus? Have you gotten vaccinated yet? Well, here's what I want you to take from it. And you have to remember this because this applies to every single story you see American communists talking about. Whatever the story may be, uh, uh, a confrontation between a cop and a black dude, economic unrest, a world war, a riot somewhere, no matter what it is, understand. The communist doesn't look at the world the way you look at the world. When you are looking at a riot or a protest in Cuba, you're probably trying to figure out what's going on. Why are they rioting? Okay, that's kind of cool. Good. I hate communists. All right. How big is this riot? Does this... Does this riot have a chance of succeeding? Are they going to overthrow? Like you're asking basic questions, right, about what's going on. You want to know, has anyone been hurt? Is there anything I can do to help? 
You're walking through normal human questions in your mind. The communist doesn't think like that. The communist only thinks about serving his God, the God of communism, at all times. It doesn't matter what's going on. Why would you bring up what? What? The vaccine? Why would you bring up the vaccine? I mean, we have freedom wanting people just right there, right there in the Caribbean, speaking out against communists. You would think it's the most gimme statement for an American president ever. Of course, the American president, any other president, Democrat or Republican, throughout history, not Obama, of course, but anyone before him would have come out immediately and said, oh, yeah, we stand with the the Cuban people and screw those commies. But the communist doesn't think that way. The communist looks at every situation and he does not get sad. He doesn't get happy. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get anything. He looks at every single situation and simply says to himself, how can I use this to serve my God? How can I use this to serve my God? That's why you would bring up the vaccine out of nowhere when talking about a Cuban riot? What? They're starving to death? Why are you talking about that? That's why. That's why they bring up gun laws every single time there's a mass shooting. And people on the right fall for this all the time. Oh, this that's crazy. Uh, the cities with the worst gun laws have the worst violence. They know. They know gun laws don't work. They don't care. And again, that's why they bring up gun laws before the bodies are even cold after a mass shooting. Totally inappropriate. Barack Obama made this mainstream, and I'll hate him forever for this. I think it has actually done as much to tear apart this country as anything else. We lost our ability to mourn. There's a time for everything, and a time for mourning is important. That's an important part of the human condition. I mean, shoot, it's biblical. It's an important part of the human condition. You have to take time to mourn. Well, when you jump on those dead bodies right away and start gun grabbing, you take away people's ability to mourn. Now you're at their throat and they're at your throat. Now you're fighting already. And I'll hate him forever for that because Obama made that mainstream. But again, they can't help it. They don't care about the dead bodies. They don't care. Dead kids, dead adults, dead women, dead men. It doesn't enter their mind. They don't think that way. You think that way. When you hear about a mass shooting, you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, God have mercy. Some, some mother and father is getting that phone call that their, their kid just got killed. Some kid just found out he lost his brother. That's the way you think. They don't look at life like that because their religion is an anti-human religion of destruction and domination. They don't think in those terms. It's only about serving their God. And they are devout. That's why they bring up things so out of place and ridiculous at all times. What are they worried about? What are these people worried about? Well, I mean, they're flat out telling you what they want. 
What we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. Every single liberal you know, and I've told you this before, and I'll tell you a million times after this, every liberal you know, that was a contributor to CNN, by the way, every liberal you know is an inch away from becoming that authoritarian. Every single one. Your kooky Ann on Facebook, your neighbor you get along with, because coercion is simply a necessary ingredient. They can never, ever, ever achieve what they want out of the world without coercion. It just bubbles out of them now. They just come out and say it. Look, we just need to make your life miserable. Why? Because you won't do what we say. I want you to do something. You're not doing it. I want to make your life miserable. That's how they think. How do they really feel about the revolt and revolution in Cuba? They don't love it and they don't hate it. They don't care. It's simply another excuse to serve their God. You're going to hear me talk about this endlessly because it's true. That's why they don't have any sense of decorum. That's why they're always bringing up politics at the worst time. Because it would never it would never occur to them to set aside their God. Do you set aside yours? We're going to talk to Brandon Darby about the border and how bad it is. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I am excited about this. Joining me now is my friend Brandon Darby with the Cartel Chronicles. Brandon, before we get to everything else, you haven't told this story in forever, so you're telling it tonight. Why were you riding in the trunk of a car? Why was I riding to go into Mexico? Yes. Um, So when you go into Mexico, like if you're going into Tijuana, then you have to present your passport and what have you. But when you're going into most of Mexico, especially along the Texas border, there's no immigration checks as you go into the country. It's just people standing there. What? And in some places, in some places, uh, the local cartel that's in control of the black market uh, also has people standing there taking pictures with their cell phones of anyone who goes through. So. Sometimes if you're trying to get in and you know you want to meet with people and you don't want people knowing you're there and you don't want to risk the safety of your sources, uh, who you're meeting with, then you, you try to go in in ways where people uh, don't, don't see you. Okay. So do these cartel guys – well, I already know the answer to this. I think they know you, don't they? I, I think some do. I think some probably don't. Um, I do think that there's kind of a cult following of, you know, cartel-connected people and people in cartels who look at what we're writing about them and what they're doing. Um, I definitely think most of the leadership, like especially of Los Zetas, because we've hit them so hard and published their photos, I definitely think they're aware um, of us. Uh, you know, we had problems before with, 
one of the bosses of the Gulf Cartel, uh, Commandant de Toro, uh, but Toro got killed. Uh, and, and so didn't really matter anymore. Right. Uh, now, but yeah, so, so some why? of those guys know who we are. Why didn't it matter? anymore? No, no. Why did dead. you have problems with him? What'd you do? Not that I doubt your ability to tick people off. Um, uh, so we published photos of him. Um, we published photos of his lieutenants and all of his leadership structure that had never been seen before. We revealed their names. We revealed the general areas where they lived and what they were responsible for. Um, and that ticked them off. You know, we, we did the same thing to Los Viagras, a group in Michoacan. Um, you know, we, we published photos that showed their boss, one of their bosses, uh, having beers and fraternizing with, uh, the army general who was sent into Michoacan to find that guy Ooh. who never could find him. And we published the photos. It was a scandal in Mexico. The guy got arrested. Then the next guy who assumed his position put a hit out on one of my writers for $100,000. He did it on Facebook. It stayed up for a week, even though we complained. And, um, you know, so obviously that guy knows who we are. So then the way that we handled that was, uh, people we, you know, had a relationship with kicked in his door and arrested him. And then we published the trophy photo of when he first got on his knees with his hands up, like looking scared, which then told him that we, you know, were somehow involved or connected to the people who kicked his door in. And we published that photo. And then after that, they just left us alone and they didn't put out any more hits on us. You know? um, so, so we, we give them hell and, and some of them know who we are. Uh, the most brutal ones we target and when we target them and, you know, we use all types of advanced technology and, and, uh, human intelligence to go after them and reveal their secrets and, um, they don't like it. And they're used to killing people who do that to them, uh, who write about them or bring attention to them. But you have a gringo from the U S with U S citizenship. And if they catch me there, it would be probably it'd probably be pretty bad for me. But catching me here is not something they're very likely going to do. And uh, so they don't really know what to do with it. You know? Brandon, we're speaking with Brandon Darby. He writes for Breitbart, runs the Cartel Chronicles. Now, why would it be bad for them to catch you here? Now, I'm grateful for that, obviously. But why? I mean, these guys are so violent and just no regard for human life. Why would it be that bad for them to catch you here? Well, first off, I think they're used to dealing with people who, an unarmed populace who can't do anything back to them. And it would be bad for them to catch me here because I'm well armed and I train. Mm-hmm. And I would throw lead right back at them uh, if I didn't throw lead first. Uh, but the other thing is that, you know, I'm somewhat politically connected. I would imagine if, if I was, were found beheaded, you know, I would imagine that folks like you and, and, um, you know, all the way from some Democrats who, you know, I think appreciate my work all the way to Bannon and to Chip Roy and everyone else I've ever worked with or known, I would imagine they would, you know, whip up a big stink and, and probably Mexico would have to go after those people, whoever did it to me, if they knew who it was, right? Um, so, and the other thing, too, is I just like to say that in hopes that if they're listening, they go, oh, yeah kind of like I'm hypnotizing them, you know, they're like, yeah, we don't want to go after him. It would be bad for us. And really, I don't know that it would be. I hope it would be, right? I hope they don't come after me here. 
Um, but they could. I mean, that's the catch. But, you know, the thing is, man, is sometimes that stuff gets scary, but there's nothing courageous about what we're doing the, the, in, in relation to the people in Mexico who work with us and who write with us. I mean, those folks, they don't get to carry firearms. They have to live there and their entire families and lineage live there. And they're still doing everything they can to challenge the cartels, hoping that folks like me have good, you know, OPSEC and don't get them killed. Uh, you know, don't let their names leak out. Those are the really courageous people. I mean, I get to go to bed with, you know, a 308 or, or with, you know, whatever, you know, lately I've been, you know, putting my PC charger, this really amazing uh, nine millimeter by my bed. Um, you know, I get to go to bed with that. I have resources. I have security systems and all types of stuff. Uh, they don't get to have that there, you know? So, so for me, it's just, I just remind myself when I start to get uncomfortable that, you know, of what the people who work with us in Mexico are going through. And then I rem- it's like, this is a, wa- a piece of cake for us here. Speaking with Brandon Darby of Cartel Chronicles. Brandon, we've only got a couple minutes here. What... What are you seeing rise that you haven't seen in a while recently? Is there a new cartel, a new level of violence, a new product? Are they trying something different? Because I know they're always trying something different. No, I, I think that the, the most significant problem that we're facing right now on our border uh, is with mainstream media choosing to look the other way and choosing not to report on the issues as much as they were reporting on it. You know, with that comes less cartel reporting. Um, you have mainstream outlets. I mean, several mainstream journalists share my stuff on Twitter, on social media, but their outlets don't. You know, if 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 uh, CNN were to run with a story about cartels, it would have huge impact. If CNN did it every day, it it would really participate in in bringing an end to to what cartels can do. Uh, but they don't do that, right? And and I think a lot of that is uh, part of it, I think, is because they don't, they feel like people who are Mexican or from South America or Central America get demonized enough, and they feel like if they write about how bad it is, it it makes them look bad, and they're participating in that. I get that, Uh, but I think the majority of it is, is they're protecting Biden. They're, most of them are Democrats, and they're not going after Biden and Kamala Harris's failures on the border, like they went after things that happened with Trump. Like, when's the last time you heard you know, about about kids in the desert dying unless you read Breitbart. When's the last time you've heard about families being separated unless you read Breitbart? When's the last time you heard about the conditions in, in a, a, you know, a, a migrant detention center? Now they're called, they're called uh, something yeah. totally different. They're not calling them detention centers. Yeah, of course. Centers. Of course. Of course, they decided to change that language now. Brandon Darby, you are the best, my brother. Go read everything he writes. I do. If you want to be informed, cartelchronicles.com. Or it is cartelchronicles.com, right? I didn't screw that up. Yeah, just go to Breitbart News and, and look up Cartel Chronicles, and, and it, you'll see what we're doing. Cartel Chronicles. Brandon Darby, thank you so much, my man. Thank you. Guy risks his life, man. And he's right about those people in Mexico. They do too. Now, $28 trillion in debt. $28 trillion in debt. You understand that only ends one way, right? 
the value of the dollar, it's already going down. We already see the inflation numbers. There's no indication those are going to reverse. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to bury all your money in a mattress somewhere, but you should definitely get some precious metals. Gold and silver have value, and they maintain their value even through really, really, really rocky economic times. Call Oxford Gold Group because they won't put a piece of paper in their hands. They'll put real gold and real silver in your hands. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse sent you. Call Oxford Gold Group today. 833-995-GOLD. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Look, it's time. It's time to brighten our day. There's enough heavy stuff out there. Wouldn't you say it's time to brighten our day? We'll get to that in just a moment. I have something you're going to enjoy. First, let's get to a couple emails. Remember, the email address is jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You can email me your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. They all go right to Chris. He prints them all out for me. I read them all. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many. Let's get to some of them. El Grande Bandido de Fritos y Todos Alimentos de Mexicanos. Chris, from now on, we should probably put some of this through a translator so I, so I know I'm not cussing on the air. I hope I didn't say anything bad there just now. He says, at this point, Pinochet is the only way. His name is Ed Frizzell. One, man, I hope not. We were talking about, because that was his response to me saying the right will pick a dictator. The right will pick a fascist. Because right now, the current GOP is simply too weak to take on the left. They don't have the stomach for it. They don't have the courage. So the people will turn to a monster. They will. If you don't defend them, they will turn to a monster to defend them. It is inevitable. History says I am right. But, I mean, I don't look forward to that. I mean, you understand what, what calling for Pinochet means, right? I realize it worked out pretty well for Chile in the end. Chile in the end. Don't, Chris. Sorry, I abla, and you don't. I can say Chile anytime I want. Anyway, you realize, uh, yeah, it worked out for Chile in the end. They got rid of the communists and one of the more prosperous nations in South America and so on and so forth. But... I mean, they were putting cigarettes out on people. They were throwing people out of helicopters. I don't think we should probably be cheering for that here in the United States of America, but I'm not naive. I understand people are going to. Jesse, heard your podcast with guest speaker Sarah Gonzalez. We had Sarah Gonzalez on Friday, I think it was, Chris. She said, the segment about the 14-year-old who killed an Uber driver You asked what factors contributed to making a kid a killer. She said fatherless homes. She is spot on target. I've been a licensed mental health clinician for over 30 years. 
I believe the number one factor contributed to the decline of our society is exactly that. Kids raised in homes with no father. Sure, there are other factors as well. Lack of moral values, availability of internet evils, availability of drugs, normalization of the abnormal, the godlessnesses of our society. I could go on. However, what I have noted significantly contributes to violence in kids and tens of thousands of clients I've seen over a decades-long career is the breakdown of the nuclear family. Homes with no consistent, stable, balanced father figures. God made us the way he made us for a reason. I understand life comes at you fast, and you're never going to get any judgment from me. Never. You can't possibly screw up more than I've screwed up. So you're never going to get judgment here. But the truth is this. We are made to have a mother and a father. They're both critical for different reasons for the development of kids. They are. And I don't, I don't know who to quote here because I read this a long, long time ago. There was a study done on how kids turned out based on their upbringing and whatnot. And this I found shocking. The kids who were abused by their father turned out better than the ones whose dad ran out on them. Now, I don't know that there's anything worse in this world than child abuse, but think about that. Think about that. The kids who were abused overall had a better shot at life than the ones where dad left. There is, there's this feeling of one of the most powerful feelings that I've heard repeatedly. I don't know if I believe this, but I guess I could. They say the most powerful feeling Uh, The most powerful human emotion you can get is a feeling of abandonment, a feeling of loneliness, nothing else, happiness, sadness, laughter, nothing else can match it. It is the feeling of being alone is physically overwhelming for people. It's why uh, in the Marine Corps, when you're digging in on the defense, you found an area and you're digging these little holes, it would be strategically smarter to have one man per hole. You can actually have better fields of fire, but they don't. You have two men per hole because they've done enough. They've fought enough to realize nighttime comes and the enemy's charging at you with bayonets. The feeling that you're alone can kill an army, can kill a Marine Corps. Can, it can kill troops. The feeling of your dad leaving, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, there's something that we can feel good about right now. And here's something. Joe Biden is not exactly, not exactly in tip-top shape. Now, that's not what I want you to feel good about. That's just the, that's the beginning of Joe Biden's not great. He's not, not great, and I'm being real, real kind here. He's also not great while sitting in the most stressful job in the world. The most stressful job in the world, President of the United States of America. Kamala Harris is going to be president. Whether that's next month, six months from now, whether they prop Joe up with a stick to get him through the midterms, it's going to be President Kamala Harris. And I know what you're saying. Jesse, why you, Why would you say that's good? I thought this is feel good. That's the end of the world. Do you want to know why I say it's good news? Hang on. You're going to want to hear this. Don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. Oh, 
Jesse Kelly show and we are in our final hour, but don't think we're backing off. We still have to talk about important things like goldfish, like pretending you're like protecting your church, the Capitol police going full out nutball. But first I said, we were going to say something happy. Joe Biden clearly not really going to hang on for four years. Because the Democratic Party is so insanely invested in this identity politics and woke politics, that idiot Joe Biden said, I'm going to pick a woman to be my vice president uh, uh, and a woman of color. Look how super woke I am, which basically stuck him with Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris, you see, there's an old saying. I know a lot of football players. But there's an old saying of looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. What's that mean? You'll see a guy walking off the streets. All the coach and sc- coaches and scouts know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You see a guy walking off the street, and he's built like a brick house. And you look at the guy, and you say to yourself, man, that dude, he's got to be a football player. And you get him out there. And the guy sucks. He can't play at all. And then there's the guy, maybe built a little weird, little scrawny, little slower, and he just is always out there making football plays. That's the difference between Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris. You know, I understand it. I receive scorn for it, but I'm right. I say Nancy Pelosi is the greatest politician this country has ever seen. Nobody has a more detestable personality. No, there's not another member of Congress you'd rather avoid being in her presence than Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi looks like she has one of those water spray bottles for her own grandkids if they start putting fingerprints on the counter. You know I'm right. And yet Nancy Pelosi has managed with that personality to rise to be the Speaker of the House. Twice. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, she is an attorney. And I understand that may be music to some of your ears and many people are vomiting right now. But it does mean this. Look, if you're an attorney, you at least have an IQ above 50 and you can speak. Most of the time that means you can speak. So she speaks well. She's an attorney. If we're being honest, fellas. Kind of hot. Kind of hot. Don't roll your eyes, Chris. For a U.S. senator in her 50s, Kamala Harris is kind of hot. So you're thinking to yourself, kind of hot, could speak well, got to be the total package, right? But Kamala Harris is the ultimate example of looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. Kamala Harris, she did an interview and... Democrats are worried about the midterm elections, understandably so. And obviously they're making some huge loss. They're they're taking some huge losses when it comes to rural America. So this is the Kamala Harris plan to roll to to roll out the rural America vote. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to 
um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course people have to prove who they are. (laughs) Wait, what? She doesn't think... She doesn't think people in rural America have the ability to make a photocopy? (laughs) This is... This is the danger. See, this is, let me explain something to you about politics and all the media you consume. Because this actually applies to the right a lot too. So much of the media in this country is produced in New York City or Washington, D.C. New York City or Washington, D.C. If you actually look at the TV statistics and radio statistics, those are the places where media is produced. Look. I'm on. I'm talking to you right now on uh, the greatest New York City station, 710WOR. And if you wanted to have a media career, there'd be, there'd be nothing better you can do for it than move to New York City or Washington, D.C. That's just media hub. And that's where so many of the news organizations are centered and the biggest everything. But the, there's a problem with it. When you find yourself in the New York City, Washington, D.C. area, and you don't ever get out because so many of the people don't get out, you are trapped in a bubble and you can't understand how you sound to people outside of the bubble. Now, that's not an anti-city thing. People don't get out of New York City for a reason. You don't have to get out. Unless you're looking for seclusion or something What do you want that you can't have in New York City? Want to go to a museum? Got the best. Good restaurant? Maybe the best food city in the world. Want to go see the sights? Want to go to a concert? Want to go to a play? Want to go? You see what I mean? You don't have to leave so they don't leave. I joked last week about it, and it's 100% true story. My buddy came down here from New York City to visit me, and he asked if I owned a car. Uh, yeah, I own a car. I'm in Texas. Kind of got to have one here. But that's how much those people don't leave. And it's too expensive to store the stinking thing. You pay more to store it than you would for a car payment up there. But what it does to our politicians is it insulates them from normal people. They don't have any idea how other people live So all you get is a caricature in your mind of how other people live. Has Kamala Harris walked into Omaha, Nebraska in a diner, greasy spoon, 8 a.m., sat down for a big plate of eggs, bacon, and pancakes? Has Kamala Harris done that? I know, Chris, now my mouth's watering too. Has Kamala Harris done that? Honestly, I legitimately mean this. In her lifetime? Okay, let's assume maybe she has in her lifetime. Has she done it in the past 20 years? 30 years? She was just a big shot politician in California where you're eating at all the fancy schmancy places and California has some good eating too. But you can't connect with people 
if you don't talk to real people. And so many people on the right, they fall into this same trap because they don't ever get out. I have so many of my friends who live and work in D.C. or live and work in New York and they never leave. And they end up missing huge issues wildly. And at the beginning of these issues, like coronavirus, you remember how I was so against the lockdowns? And every one of these guys to a man was texting me, hey, dude, you sound like a nutball being against these lockdowns. Just be careful. They're doing that thing. Just be careful. I don't want you to to lose your show or something like that. And I was telling them back, no, you don't understand. You sound like a nutball to those of us over here. You sound crazy. Shut down your business? Are you out of your mind? What? No. Go figure out a cure and get back to me. I got to go to work. The greatest advantage I have, the greatest advantage to my entire career, radio and TV, is I live in middle America. I live in the suburbs of Texas. It's not it's, the, the area isn't smarter or dumber than anywhere else, but they're normal people. The people I talk to all day long, the people I hang out with, they're the people you hang out with. I'm not done yet on this, and we have to have to briefly hit on what the Capitol Police are doing. Gosh, creepy. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I told you it was going to be a fun night tonight. Back to your emails real quick before I get to the Capitol Police being creepy. Can you do a segment on support for Caitlyn Jenner for California governor? No, because I don't. Goodness sakes. Can we be? Can we stand for something in this party? Good grief. Good morning, Shogun. Most people would probably think of it as a Midwest town. He goes on to talk about Indianapolis and why the murders are so bad. He says there's actually a higher percentage of murders in Indianapolis than there are in Chicago. But Indianapolis just doesn't get the love, even though Indianapolis is sweet. Have you ever been to Indianapolis, Chris? It's a really cool place. But there are places, uh, I interviewed a cop. Gosh, I forget his name. I interviewed a cop for my show, for my television show. My show's on the, uh, my, on the first every night. Just It's an app. It's also on Roku and a bunch of other places. Just look up the first TV. It's 9 p.m. Eastern every night. And I interviewed a cop on my show, and he was a Tulsa cop for a long time. Tulsa, Tulsa has less than 500,000 people. And when you say Tulsa, Oklahoma, because people automatically think this way about the Midwest, I don't know why, people think they're all on horseback, you know, with tumbleweeds blowing down the road. Tulsa's a really cool city, but they have a bad gang and murder problem. Really, really, really bad. One of the highest percentages, in fact, for cities under 500,000 people, the highest percentage in the United States of America is Tulsa, Oklahoma. But the thing is, we can't ever get coverage of it. You can't ever get coverage of it. And we all know why we can't get coverage of it. They won't cover it because they think it makes black people look bad. And you're not allowed to do anything that makes black people look bad. Man, it's not black people, it's gang members. That's not all black people. I don't know why we can't just have adult conversations about things. The inner city, the poor black parts of our inner cities are a disaster area. They are war zones and they need help. There are so many law-abiding people who live in these areas who need real help. 
But we can't address the problem because uh, uh, someone might blame it on black people. Buddy, let's just address the problem and set aside all the field fields right now. People are dying. Kids across America, across America, this is, this is what floors me. Kids across America tonight, tonight, will sleep on their floors because of, their fear, because of the fear of a bullet hole coming through and killing them in their beds, which happens. My kids will be hanging out in their room asleep, probably staying up too late after their bedtime, which I know they do. Other kids live in a war zone. All right. America's military news has quite a headline. Remember that story? I did this story for you last week. Capitol Police. The Capitol Police, meaning the U.S. Capitol. They have their own police department. They talked about branching out, opening field offices in places like Florida and California, which I'm still... There's just no way that can be legal, but apparently they are. I'm sure they're going to have to find a piece of federal property to open on or something. Get this headline from America's Military News. Capitol Police to use Army surveillance gear to monitor Americans and identify emerging threats. Last week, the USCP took possession of eight persistent surveillance systems ground medium PSSGM units. Oh, gosh, that was a long way of saying the surveillance units. Fulfilling a request that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin approved on June 2nd. The units capture high-definition video and include night vision, but do not feature facial re- recognition capabilities. Exactly how are they going to be using this? The Capitol Police did not provide further details regarding how or where the surveillance equipment would be used and didn't provide information on whether data collected would be stored or distributed. Distributed. Remember what I've been telling you? Remember what I've been telling you? Oh, that reminds me. New History Podcast drops this week. I don't know what day yet. I've chosen to do this one on East Germany and the Stasi. Oh, just for random reasons. I don't know why. But here's a little tidbit from the History Podcast. You know that the Stasi, when they finally went down, they started to burn and shred and soak in the bathtub all the documents of all the stuff they collected on people. And you know, to this day, they've only managed to put together about Four four or five hundred of the 16,000 bags of shredded documents. In your and my lifetime, we won't ever see the end of all the documents of the data they collected on private citizens. This stuff goes way beyond anything normal. This is way beyond anything you or I have seen yet. This is a huge overstep. And I've been telling you, I've been telling you time and time again, They're using January 6th. Every time anyone brings up January 6th, it's not because they care about January 6th. None of those people lost a minute of sleep about January 6th. Not the whiny baby journalists talking about, I was in therapy. Not the politicians. Nobody. But they all know they can use January 6th as an excuse 
to use government power against you. Make you a domestic terrorist. Make you an enemy. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it is absolutely frightening. And why? Why do I not see GOP pushback? Why? Heck, I remember on January 6th, about 8,000 people on the GOP side, Mike Pence included, spouting out absurd things like, this is the darkest day in American history. This is an insurrection. It's a coup because a couple of kooks and a grandma wandered onto the floor of the House of Representatives. We still have the FBI hunting these people down like hardened fugitives. They still have people locked up with no trial dates yet. There have been reports they've received beatings from guards. Maybe we shouldn't be doing history stories on the Stasi. Maybe we should just do a current events podcast on the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the American Department of Justice. Maybe those days are here. Former Catholic Church in Saskatoon, sticking Canadians, former Catholic Church in rural Saskatoon destroyed in a fire. For those not aware, I understand this is Canada. You don't really care. You should care, though, because churches are burning all over Canada. They're burning from these indigenous terrorist groups, from their street Marxist groups. And they're burning in record numbers. Canada is losing its churches. They're being burned to the ground. And there's something you and I have to talk about because it doesn't just apply to Canada. It applies to you. It applies to me. And this is going to be hard to hear. Hang on. Yikes. That's going down in South Africa right now. There are some wild videos floating around online about the riots and protests and civil unrest in South Africa. People are shooting each other or shooting at each other. It doesn't look like anybody's taking any firearms training, but still. All right. Churches are burning in Canada. Churches have been burning in France for a long time. We all know why this doesn't get press coverage because our press is almost universally communist. Communists hate Christianity and anything that has to do with God at all, so they're not going to cover it. They're going to run cover for the groups doing it. That's not, we don't have to sugarcoat that. I'm not talking about the press. I'm not even talking about the communists. I'm talking to the Jews in the synagogues. I'm talking to the Christians in the churches. Protect what's yours. Why are churches still burning? Why are there not armed Catholics and Christians around the church preventing it from happening? Why? I I will not abide by this American version of Christianity and Judaism, frankly. They take care of business in Israel. Take care of your business. You don't have to be, oh, just I'll turn the, I'll turn the other cheek. Uh, You can burn my church. How about touch my church and you're going down, pal? How about that? Stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right. I'm so tired 
of watching people on the right get pushed around by these gutless communist cowards. It drives me crazy. All right. I ever tell you the story about how I murdered my son's fish? Let's tell that story. I saw this because I got an e- or I got a headline here about goldfish. Apparently, you're not supposed to dump your goldfish in lakes. There's a bunch of pictures floating around online about this. They get huge. They're they're just they only stay small because of the fish tank. They, people were posting pictures of these monstrous goldfish all over these Minnesota lakes, and they're bad for the environment and blah 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 blah. But it did remind me of this time I murdered my son's fish. Walk through this with me. The boys have a dog now, Fred. Okay, Fred update is that Fred is still sick. Anytime he eats dog food, comes right out. He's now been eating pumpkin and rice. Have no idea what to feed him. Looking for alternate dog food. So I have a dog allergic to dog food. So that really worked out well. But anyway, setting that aside, long before they had a dog, remember my oldest son, James, has a pet allergy. He doesn't do well with pet hair. If he's around horses, which he has been on occasion, it'll actually close up his throat a little bit. So a real pet allergy. Well, the boys always wanted a pet. They always wanted a dog, but they always wanted a pet. And, the, you know, they're boys. They want as much as they can get, right? I mean, they, they'd want a team of horses if you gave it to them. So they started asking for fish and asking for fish and asking for fish. And finally, we broke down. The wife broke down. I certainly didn't. What, Chris? I didn't. The wife broke down, and we're like, okay, let's go get the kids some fish. We go down to the pet shop. I think it costs like $150, but we get a couple fish. And it, Well, Chris, we didn't have the tanks or anything. You have to get the aquarium stuff and the rocks. And, of course, the kids have to have the stupid little decorations they put in the tanks and everything else. Oh, look, the fish is swimming through it. We take it home. And my oldest son was very responsible with his fish. James, that's James. He's very responsible with his fish. My youngest son couldn't have cared less. Could not have cared less. Now... This part of the story is important. You know, I never bore you with details and things like that in story because details ruin the story. But I want you to understand something. The youngest son, Luke, he named his fish Buttery. Don't ask me, okay? I didn't name the fish. He named his fish Buttery. Just put that in your back pocket for a moment. James, the responsible one, feeds his fish, takes care of his fish every single day. And, of course, the stupid fish dies in like two weeks. Whatever, we take it, flush it down the john, moving on. Now, Luke forgets to feed his fish days on end, and the daggone thing is like Rasputin. It just simply will not die. It will not die. In fact, it looks like it's going to be in perfect health, and this is becoming a problem. Why? Because we're approaching Christmas time. And keep in mind, Luke's probably six years old at this time, and... He's, of course, the youngest, so he gets, quote, babied a little more by his mother than everyone else and knows how to use her with that. That's going to also apply to our story. What does Christmas time mean? Christmas time is this. I was still selling RVs at the time. So this is five years ago. I was still selling RVs. So I couldn't take as much time off of work. You, you don't make sales. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to pay you just for, for, for your good looks. You got to make sales or you can't. You can't make a living. The wife, we were going back to spend Christmas with the wife's family back in Ohio. 
she was going to leave ahead of me. I was going to come a couple days after them because I couldn't take as many days off of work. Well, the fish isn't dead. And we're going to be gone for four or five days. Okay, well, we're not going to starve the fish to death. I'm also not going to pay somebody to come let themselves into my home and feed a stupid fish for like four or five days. So, and this story has been twisted around by the wife to make her look better than she did, than she she should. We have a talk together and decide, okay, what we're going to do is you take off with the boys, head back for Ohio. Once you're gone, I'll just flush the fish down the toilet. I'm just going to flush the fish. She agrees. Again, the kid doesn't care about the fish. I can't stress that enough. It's not like every day he was lovingly looking at the fish. He forgot about its existence. They leave. I take the fish. I flush it down the john. Go be free, little Nemo. All all drains lead to the ocean, that kind of thing. We go back to Ohio. Come back home. We're back home. And again, this is another important point in the story. We come back home. We're home for an entire day, and then eventually Luke looks down and sees the empty fish tank and says, where's my fish? And I said, oh, I've what, Chris, what? No, I didn't get rid of the tank. Well, wait a minute. He looked down and asked where his fish was. Maybe he wasn't looking at the tank. It finally occurred to him that he hadn't seen the fish. I would think I'd be crafty enough to get rid of the tank, but I don't remember, so I don't want to ruin that part. He looks down and says, where's the fish? And I have always found, even though people say it's callous, that it's best to just rip off the Band-Aid in these situations. So I simply told him. I flushed it down the toilet. He looks at me, and he's fine. But then he looks at the wife who's standing beside me, and she has this look of, oh, I'm sorry, And so as soon as he makes eye contact with her, he breaks down crying. But I automatically see the scam that's being run on me at this time. And she does the, oh, come down, honey. And she sits down on a chair and he goes and curls up in her lap like he's two years old and starts bawling. And not only is she trying to comfort him, she's staring daggers at me as if she had nothing to do with this at all when she had everything to do with it. And I I'm, I'm, I can see this whole situation getting away from me because he's, he's now playing this up to the max. And she's at the point, she'll do anything to comfort her kid. You know mothers, right? And I can see where this is going. And so I start to voice my opinion. And I start to say, this is fake. He's faking it. And you're falling for it. This is a put on. So he turns up the volume of the crying. And then she's only glaring at me more. Stop it, Jesse. You did this. That kind of thing. Oh. And then the climax of the story comes. You know what happens next? Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And yes, I'm going to finish my fish story in just a moment about when I got scammed. But first, be more purposeful with where you spend and don't spend your money. 
You spend one third of your life in bed. Why have you not gone out and gotten a new pillow, a new mattress topper, the new Giza dream sheets from my pillow? Why have you not gotten their slippers, their pajamas? Does it sound like I own a lot of my pillow stuff? Yes, I do. It's just draped all over my house because one, it's the best quality I've ever experienced. And two, my pillow actually loves this country. Actually loves this country. Mike Lindell loves this country and fights for it all the time. Stop supporting businesses who hate you and your way of life and start supporting businesses like MyPillow. And now they have a special two for one low price plus free shipping on the Giza Dreams sheets made from the world's best cotton. But you have to go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code JESSE. MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE, Giza Dream Sheets, two for one low price. Back to my story. Luke is now turning up the volume and bawling. The wife is staring daggers into me. And I can see the scam. And I, 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 like I said, I pointed out, he's faking it. This is fake. And so he turns it up even more. And I come up with a plan. You remember the name of the fish? You remember, I told you to keep it in your back pocket. The name of the fish was Buttery. Remember, don't yell at me. I didn't name the fish, okay? And so I said, oh, okay, he's so upset. You're buying this? Hey, Luke, what was the fish's name? And I know she didn't see it because she was too busy glaring at me. He stops for just a microsecond of his crying And I see him make eye eye contact with me, and I see the fear in his eyes. And I know that he doesn't know the name of that fish. I know he doesn't. So he tries to turn it up more, and I say, no, no. I want to hear the name of the fish from him. And finally he goes, "Uh, it was swimmy. He got the name of the fish wrong she still bought all the tears, and we ended up with a stupid lizard that day. Had to go to the pet store and got a lizard, some godforsaken bearded dragon that grew into the size of like a T-Rex. What, Chris? Nothing. Chris asked, what do you do with a lizard? Nothing. You do absolutely nothing. If you're going to get a reptile, at least get one that you get to watch murder things in front of you. Like, I want a snake so I can drop mice in there. Or if you're going to get a fish, get piranhas so you can drop frogs and mice in there. So you, so you can, Yeah, I know they can get big, Chris. I'd throw mine in the pool. All right. It's time for headlines I didn't get to. This is from the post-millennial watch. White House to support vaccine mandates by private sector entities, universities, and local leaders. We addressed this a little bit earlier. Of course they're going to support mandates by private sector entities because that's what makes it a system. No part of the system will fight against itself because they all believe the same thing now. They don't have to pass a law to mandate anything. They just have to get their private partners and their schools to do it for you. No, no, no. It's not against the law. It's not against the law for you to not get the passport, to not get the vaccine. Of course, don't get the vaccine. You're you're fine. Oh, yeah, but your kid can't go to school. You can't fly on a plane. You can't eat in this restaurant. You can't do this. You can't You see what they're doing? Oklahoma offering return to work cash incentive. We paid people 
not to work for a year and a half, and now we're paying people to go back to work? Maybe you should stop spending our money. Maybe we just stop paying people at all from the government. How about that? Foxnews.com, Arizona's AG seeks injunction to reverse Biden administration's ending of border wall construction. Remember, there's only one reason to stop the construction of the border wall. There's not a second reason. You stop the construction of the border wall if you want America's borders to remain 100% wide open. That's because you want the destruction of the United States of America. Headline, prominent Florida doctor tied to assassination of Haitian president. 2011 footage shows Florida-based doctor Christian Sanon, who's accused of involvement in the killing of Haiti's president, talking about corruption in politics. Christian Emmanuel Sanon, who's lived in the Sunshine State on and off for more than 20 years, is accused of being one of the ringleaders of the hit squad that killed Moise, Moise, I don't know how to say that Haitian president's name. I guess not that it matters anymore. Sanon is the third person, sorry, Chris, is the third person of Haitian descent tied to Florida to be seized. This entire thing is endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah, just the third one, Chris. Why is political assassination so fascinating? It shouldn't be. I mean, someone died. I mean, for all I know, this president was a good dude. I mean, for all I know, he was a monster. I don't have anything against him. I don't know anything about Haiti's president. Neither do you. Don't be looking down on me. You don't know anything about Haiti's president. But why, especially as dudes, I can't speak for women, why do we find political assassination to be fascinating? Because we do. We do. Is it a rebel thing? Is it a... Violence thing? I know men have a fascination with violence. Look, it's part of how we're made. You're supposed to. Because sometimes men have to do violent things on on behalf of their country or their family or something like that. Is it uh, everybody wants to be a James Bond type thing? You know, Chris thinks that's what it is. Chris says that I couldn't have been a spy because of my size. Because I'm 6'8", 230. I've explained a thousand times on the show. I'm like a shadow when I want to be, Chris. I'm basically, it's true. I can basically disappear. I, I just melt into the shadows and you don't even know I'm there. And I'm quiet. Everyone knows what, Chris? I'm, I can be quiet if I want to be. I just happen to, my voice carries a little bit. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. I'll see people looking from a couple tables over when I'm having a conversation and the wife will be all, you know, your voice carries across the whole restaurant, right? It's better than coming in soft and feminine. Remember this from the beginning of the show. If you missed any part of the show, the whole show can be found on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We're at 950 now. (laughs) And they're so funny. That library we talked about in the beginning, the library in London that hosted the, I'm not going to say the name again, it's too gross, but hosted the the perverted garbage for the kids. Remember, that's the most important story out there right now because it shows you the stakes of the game and because you know they haven't reached their final form yet. They're just getting started. These people will never stop until you stop them. That's a fact. Now, 
Keep your chin up. We'll keep you updated on Cuba. Remember, we have Chad Robichaux, Marine Recon and UFC champion tomorrow night. Going to talk about Afghanistan. That was magnificent today. That's all. Take it easy.